the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. COVID's not over. Let me explain. You're like, you're not talking to me on my vacation, damn you. And if you try to, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, okay, fair. Um, China COVID spike. Shenzhen shuts production. Shanghai closes schools. This is a Monday morning headline where you're like, okay. In the big picture of things, I'm okay with disruptions due to COVID. Short-term pain, long-term opportunity. Is it great that a factory tied towards manufacturing iPhones is shut down right now? Nope. Does that make me as a shareholder of Apple nervous? Somewhat. So a factory, the whole city of Shenzhen, I'm not saying the whole city because I'm not there. Operations in Shenzhen, a Chinese manufacturing hub, uh, paused operations after an uptick in COVID-19 cases led the city to shut down again. Officials said they will revisit restrictions in a week based on case numbers. Almost 50% of cell phone production is done at another factory in Henan. So it's short-term. I would, I would sell my Apple if I could not say this phrase out loud. Raise your right hand. Okay, my hand's raised. I can take volatility in the short term as long as opportunity in the long term is, is balanced out with short-term fluctuations. And if you can't say that, then you shouldn't be in stocks. Apple stock trades lower when you hear about manufacturing shutting down. Now, my bigger issue is, isn't it interesting in hindsight, and our grandchildren will probably study the great pandemic of 2020. And they'll go, some states got it right and some states got it wrong. Um, I'm waiting for the data to tell me which one's got it right and which one's got it wrong because Fox News and CNBC and Bloomberg and MSNBC have messed with my head on what's right and what's wrong. I could tell you the county that I live in, I live in Marin County, still wearing masks. One of the highest vaccination rates in the country People being told, you can take off masks now. Most of the people I see in grocery stores still wear masks. And I'm good with that because to each their own. I'm good. I believe that sexually. I believe that politically. I believe that mask-wise to each their own. For those of you who have janky bad teeth, wear a mask. I'm good with that. Uh, For those of you who have beautiful smiles, don't wear a mask. I'm good with that. So Apple Foxconn have the ability to relocate production to other areas in the short term, provided there is not a significantly higher duration of lockdowns. So there's a little bit of juggling they can do. But the headline is not something that, that makes you feel warm and cuddly. China COVID spike, Shenzhen shuts production, Shanghai closes schools, Foxconn, a big manufacturer of cell phones, shuts down for at least a week. You're like, how many of those things come off the line? And you're like, the only thing you know about line production in your life is the first opening song montage from Laverne and Shirley where you're like, 
that's a lot of beer going through those young ladies' hands, and they're putting caps on each and every beer, and they're not doing a good job. Oh, they're drinking one. That may be the only idea you have of how iPhones are made. Um, the fact that they can change locations is pretty cool, but not for the long term, for the short term. Apple's new iPhone SE went on sale last week. It's fast. It's got 5G. But you know what? It, it looks like an old iPhone. It doesn't have... It, I'm just saying style-wise. And you're like, I know, I know. You have to be so Louis Vuitton, Moe, Hennessy, don't you, Rob? No. But for some people, it's it's kind of a game changer because it's a pretty big opportunity for Apple to sell their phone in markets that don't want a $1,200 or $1,500 phone that don't, can't afford it. So anytime I hear about COVID spikes in China, I'm like, aren't they doing that like zero policy? Like if one person's sick, then they assume the whole city could get sick and they shut down the whole city and they put the one person in jail. Like I haven't been to China, but that's kind of my assumption. And it's naive, right? So, but that one factory shuts down and then Apple comes out with a phone, big analyst meeting a couple of weeks ago and says, oh, we got our, our new cheap phone iPhone SE is finally hitting third generation. It's a big step up from second generation. They're not putting a lot of resources into it because it's kind of a step backwards for the technology. They could use an older chip if they wanted to. They could use an older uh, glass technology. They could use an older camera spec because it's cheap. Same thing, like everything that goes in NASCAR today, I watch NASCAR probably once a year for about 10 minutes. And what I should do is I should watch a, a show called NASCAR Innovation. Because everything that starts there comes to us. Like you may not like space, but you wouldn't have a digital watch on your hand if we didn't have a, a space a race to the moon back in the 60s. If that wasn't a thing, you wouldn't be wearing a, a, a Timex, Timex, Texas Instruments digital wristwatch because they had to figure out how to get a clock that wasn't affected by gravity. Same thing with NASCAR. NASCAR is like, how can we get this car to go faster and be safer? And a couple of years from now, you're going to hear about uh, well, I'm going to use an old example, analog brakes. Do you remember when analog brakes were only on high-end cars and it was sold as an added feature to the mid-end, low-end car? And through the years, it just becomes standard. Tire technology, crumple zones, like a lot of technology goes into the like, super expensive stuff that trickles down. And the iPhone SE is one of those things that trickles down. Now, this is a $20 billion opportunity for Apple launch should have a notable tailwind. They could ship 35 million units in the phone's first year at a blended average selling price of 450 or modestly higher. Shipments could generate an additional 15 to 20 million in annual revenue, approximately four to 5% of sales. Not a lot of R&D is going into old phones. So the margins are good. They're not as good as the high-end phones, but they're very, very good. That is if they can manufacture them. That is if COVID is under control. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, oh, what a party we'd have. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, the Rob Black Show. Happy Pie Day. I know, right? <clears throat> pie Day being 314. So in my head, what's your favorite pie? And I'll be honest with you. I like the crumbly apple cinnamon apple pie 
or what I would refer to as the redneck pie, which is chocolate pudding in a graham cracker crust with whipped cream on top, chocolate pudding pie. That was a family favorite for when mom just was burned out, had no options and got a pie crust from the Keebler elves and threw put it in it with some whipped cream on top, chilled it, and the kids didn't know better. So pie, uh, math number, and that's all I'm going to talk about that. But I will say that to me tells me that the year is like one quarter over almost. Wow, time flies. I was thinking about a fight that I got into when I was in when I was seven or eight years old. I was like, that was a long time ago, but boy, the start of the year felt like it was just yesterday. Time flies as you get older. For the year, the NASDAQ's down 17.9%. I'm okay with that. I like things on sale as long as I'm not retiring today. My portfolio is down about 5%. That's my personal all things portfolio. Not my professionally managed, not my individual, the combination of both. I'm not stressed. SP 500's down 11%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 9%. The 10 year Treasury, I saw it hit 2.09% this morning. And I was telling my, my producer, because he's a younger guy and financially, he's probably like a, three going on a four and he's learning quickly and we're going to get him up to an eight fast. I'd say maybe a four going on a five. But one of the things I told him was like that 10 year treasury becomes more and more interesting to me as it pushes towards three, three and a half percent. Cause I could save money in and kind of keep up with historical inflation of two to 4%. I don't have to own stocks. That's one of the things the federal reserve does when they lower the cost of money to nothing or one quarter of a point, or one half of a point. And by the way, this is Federal Reserve Week. We're going to get 50 basis points probably on Wednesday is the thought. And that could be a, a game changer, not because of the 50 basis points or 25 basis points, but what do they say about Russia and the effects it's going to have on Europe? People are dumping European stocks as if they're cancer right now. Like, I don't want anything to do with this. Because the contagion when Russia defaults on their debt in the coming weeks Maybe a German bank lent the money and the German bank now says, hey, we have a lot of Germans and customers in the United States that have to you know, send their loans back because we have to cover our loan covenants. Loan covenants could be something along the lines of you have to have $1 in assets for every $10 that you loan or $20 that you loan. So if you loan a billion dollars to Russia, you may have to have $20 billion of loans around the world where you now have to start calling other loans in to stop the bank from imploding. So the question this week is, how does the Federal Reserve address a contagion of debt default? Because it looks like Russia is just content to be Russia at this point in time, to be the aggressor in the Ukrainian relationship, to try to set the United States up for a fall with chemical weapons. Now, again, I'm just repeating the, the talking lines of, of financial media, of political media, right? going to be an interesting week because I want to hear the Fed say, you know, worldwide banks, we're watching them and, and we're going to be a little bit more cautious raising interest rates. I want to hear the Fed say, you know what, we're human and we see this unfolding and we're not going to be scientific about it. Yes, we want to fight inflation, but we also don't want to hurt the global economy by hurting the U.S. economy. I think there's more room to run because of that thesis. 
What are the odds? I think better than 50-50. Russia struck a military base in Western Ukraine, killing 35 people. And it amps up concerns because the base is located less than 10 miles from the border of Poland. Following the attack, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said that the U.S. will defend every inch of NATO territory. And that's Putin going, oh, yeah, I got you 10 miles or less. Let's see if they go a little bit closer, right? Line drawn in the sand with NATO. As my brothers once said, lines are meant to be crossed. And he wasn't talking about relationships with Russia and Poland or Russia and NATO. He was talking about uh, traffic lines, and I don't know what that means. So some headlines that are out there. Tom Brady is out of retirement. That didn't last long. Two months? Two months? I don't know. Brady wrote on Twitter, disappointing the majority of NFL fans, the person who paid $518,628 for Brady's last NFL touchdown. Yeah. That football's worth a little bit less now. Can you imagine paying $518,000 for a piece of leather? Is it even leather? Is it like a pleather product? Is it a hybrid product? Is it, is it real cow? Like, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm going to show you my depth of knowledge in football. Not deep. My depth of knowledge in money, deep. Shenzhen, the Chinese tech hub, home to 17.5 million people, has been locked down for the least a week due to a spike in COVID cases. This could only exasperate the supply shortages that have fueled inflation. Apple supplier Foxconn is temporarily shutting down in Shenzhen to provide operations to comply with the restrictions. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, you've put Jaws one out of your head. And now you're like, oh, I'm going back in the ocean. And then doo-doo. Don't go back in the water, kids. That's what, is that COVID right now? Is COVID the great white shark that's going to kill us and eat us? Uber is raising the price of gas prices. Uber's rolling out a temporary surcharge on Uber trips and Uber Eats delivery orders. I didn't know the crowd was so, so aggressive on that one. And they're trying to offset higher cost of gas for their drivers. Surcharge for trips will be either 45 cents or 55 cents per ride, depending on where you live. And it'll last at least 60 days. Rate hikes are coming. This week, the Federal Reserve expects to raise interest rates for the first time since late 2018. Remember, the Federal Reserve was moving interest rate hikes higher before COVID hit. A lot of people thought those higher interest rate hikes were the end of the bull market, but they lowered them and gave us another two years at least. Let's see how this year plays out. Inflation is soaring at 40-year highs, but the war in Ukraine threatens slow economic growth. Fed Chairman Jerome Prowl will probably need to thread the needle. Very cool. Without breaking a sweat. St. Patty's Day is Thursday. A day where people get drunk out of their minds and the Chicago River turns green. Um, For the record, if you're writing emails to coworkers, it's St. Patty's Day with a D, not Patty as with a T. It's Patty with a D, not with a T. You're in, you're nauseated. You're not nauseous. Nuclear waste is toxic. It's not intoxicated. I'm trying to help you with your, your emails around the office right now, if I could. Uh, Purim starts Wednesday night, and Holly is on Friday. 
the Formula One racing season is kind of a religion for some people. They begin in Bahrain Grand Prix on Sunday, and spring officially arrives on Sunday. Now you're caught up. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Patty with a D. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So there's a lot of questions out there. Younger people are going, how do I invest and not get hurt? Older people are like, what if recession comes right as I hit retirement? For the younger people, let's talk a little bit about it. Just getting started investing. Some tips for you. The market is volatile. It's not always volatile. The market does not always go straight up. It trends higher over time. Millennial Americans ranging in age from 22 to 40 are famously wary of stock markets because they've seen collapses like the dot-com bust of 2002. They've seen the financial crisis of 2008. They've seen the pandemic hit and kind of a flash crash in March of 2020. And then we are running into higher interest rates and we're hearing market pullbacks and Russia and default on debt and Russian contagion debt issues. If Russia doesn't pay off their debt, a lot of European banks are going to get spanked. And then some of those company banks will have loans to the United States where they're like, we need those called. United States debt exposure to Russia is much smaller than Europe's. You can imagine um, if for every one credit card that gets called back, you have to call back 10 to 15 of them. That's not great. In good times, it's great if everyone's paying their bills. In bad times, it's horrible if there's a default. So if you're a young investor, pay off your credit cards, manage your credit cards. That's the best advice I can give to you is look at them. Ideally, I would like you in a 401k, getting 3% of your money put away, 4%, 5%, whatever the match is, working your way up to 15% of your income. But if you're young, let's start with three. But also take a look at your credit cards because if you haven't gotten out of that kick yet, get out of that kick. Can't be carrying balances. Can't be having late payments. Um, you got to pay off the balances every month. You can't afford to live off 16.5% or the credit card's making 16.5% on lending you money. So let's say you put on credit your $100 groceries and it's at 16.5% interest. But so you just bought groceries that were you thought worth 100, but it's 100 at whatever you paid off at 16.5% annual percentage rate. Saving in a 7% pocket while feeding a pocket that drains you at 20% doesn't make any sense at all. Lower cost mortgage debt or even student loans um, should not stop you from investing. Lower cost mortgage debt or even student loans should stop you from investing. I started investing when I was 18. I probably kicked the whole credit card habit by the time I was 22. And as I started investing when I was 18, when I got into mortgages, I was like, as, as my debt went from like student loan debt or credit card debt to student loan debt to mortgage debt to car debt, I'm fine carrying debt under 7%, maybe 6%. I get freaked out when debt is costing more than 6%. Um, and I pay that off first. But again, I kicked that habit in my early 20s. So I feel like 
You know that, right? I feel like I'm giving advice to my my brother, my sister, and like, you know, you can't be carrying debt for too long. Not high cost debt. Student debt's fine. It's low cost. As long as you can service it, I'm good. Mortgage debt's fine. You get a tax write off, and it's an asset. I'm fine with it. Um, you know, Chad answered a question last week on the air from a 91 year old person who was like, should I pay off my two and a half percent mortgage? And surprisingly, Chad had a much longer answer than I thought. Cause I was like, I'm like, you're 91 live a little, um, don't pay it off. If you've got the assets to service it, but if you want to pay it off, pay it off, take a look at your state. Like that's a different question than someone who's in their thirties. So someone who's in their 20s and 30s and they're just getting into investing, they're just beginning is manage that credit card debt that's high. Get that habit kicked early before you're 25. Know your goal. I've had three goals in my life. I've had a goal for me retiring. I've had a goal for me and a spouse retiring and I have a goal for me and my kids retiring and what I leave them ultimately. Um, and there's some little signposts on life that come up like college costs and maybe marriage costs and disease and other things, but I know my goals. I don't want to work till the day I die. I do want to enjoy my children. Um, cause it enriches me mentally. Uh, another good thing to know as an investor is know yourself. Um, my last radio producer, and I'm not really taking a hard shot at him. This is a very soft shot, but he was a young kid. And he inherited some money and he was in a college program that it wasn't going the way he wanted it to. Like he did a complete 180 in the middle of college. Let's say for the sake of things, he went from communication major to, oh, I better be an IT guy because there's not a lot of money in radio and television to support a lifestyle of playing video games when I'm not working. He's a video gamer, a hardcore video gamer. Like the kind of guy that sits around for eight to 12 hours a day and watches his buddies play. And like they do, I think they're called time runs where you try to beat a game like Elden Ring, which could take a casual gamer 60 hours. And you try to beat it in one hour or less. And this is a thing. It's a competition. It's athletic. No, it's not. It's a thing, but it's not athletic, right? So you should know yourself. And what I'm getting at here is my producer, my previous producer, he was a gamer and he inherited money. He's probably lost it all because he didn't really want to commit to a career and he didn't really want to commit <clears throat> to investing. He wanted to play video games with his friends. And I'm not judging. I'm just telling you that opportunity has been squandered. Um, and there's periods of time where it looks easy where you can buy an AMC and it can go from four bucks a share to a hundred. And you're like, Oh, I'm going to retire off this. And you're like, Oh gee, I only invested a hundred dollars. Next time I'm going to invest a hundred thousand, I'm going to retire off this. But the next time you're not going to invest a hundred thousand. I know you, you don't know you. I read viewed a lot of accounts for millennials and kids of colleagues. They're generally not as aggressive as they should be. And they're, when I say aggressive, they're not diverse. They're not putting money in on a regular basis. Sometimes the account's in cash and sometimes it's in stupid stuff like AMC stock or GameStop. When you're young, you want to keep it simple. Invest in something like the S&P 500. 
take a look at it in the last 20 years. So if you're 25 years old and you say in 45 years, and when I'm 45, I want this to be bigger. Take a look at the last 20 years of SP 500 and you're like, oh, I, I get it. It's done pretty well for people who invested when they were 25, 20 years ago. <clears throat> take a look at a, an appropriate length of time of track records. And down the road, you want to find some help. I'm not saying that you have to get it today. I'm not saying you have to work with a certified financial planner. But a radio producer, a nurse, a computer engineer is not going to know what I know, just like I'm not going to know about nursing or what the buttons on the board mean. I don't know any of that stuff. You put me in a radio station by myself and I can't get myself on air. You can find me though online, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Instagram, Rob Black Show. I need more followers. Find me at Rob Black Show on any social media. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thank you for listening to the show. It is appreciated. I know you have choices. Wow. Just looking at my emails that have come in from last week, last Friday you know, on the stock market. I didn't do a lot of reading this weekend. Russia gas prices, the Fed, and earning estimates leave a lot to be angry about right now. I wish it wasn't so, but when you combine what looks like a delusional dictator with a naive central bankers and stubbornly optimistic analysts, and you got a lot to be a little bit freaked out about. Russia involved in Ukraine. Risk factor cited there is a preview of in the future on earnings. The damage being done to the relationships, the financial relationships and the inflation being caused, it could sap pretty hardcore. Energy price shock is for real. Crude prices are up 45% in 2022. Natural gas prices are up 34%. You're not going to hear about your energy companies. And you know what? We're going to eat those costs. Wage pressure has increased. Discretionary spending potential has been pinched by the decline in inflation-adjusted wages. Consumer confidence levels have sunk as inflation expectations have risen. Here's a great example of consumer confidence. I was pricing on a vacation this weekend. And... I would say for a family of four, it's come out, comes out to roughly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to round up and say 15,000. And I looked at the same exact vacation because I'm kind of that guy of wanting to keep your kids in a glass bottle as long as possible. But I looked at the same roughly exact vacation from four years ago. It was 10,000. I'm like, whoa, it's up 50% in four years. That's crazy. I'm glad I've got investments. I'm okay. But my good friend, Andrew, and my good friend, Tony, I'm like, I don't know if they're going to be able to afford to take their, their families on vacation if they're seeing a 40% hike. I don't, but see, again, that's just me projecting. I don't know if their grandparents are lending them money or giving them, I don't know if they've hit the lottery, but consumer expectations tends to be a lot like, well, I'm okay, but I'm worried about my neighbor. The dollar is strengthened, which will weigh on earnings prospects for multinational companies like Apple and Microsoft. Prices for raw materials have risen appreciably, which is good for energy and material companies, but not good for others. The cost to build a home is so high right now with lumber and materials that the home builders are struggling. 
of trying to keep with her profit margins versus getting a house up for the sake of getting a house up. They don't want to lose money and they don't want to get it too expensive and price you out of it. Global stock markets have suffered steep losses to start the year, eroding investor confidence. That diminishes what's referred to as the wealth effect. You still have supply chain uncertainty, which has been exasperated with export controls by Russia, as well as China and COVID issues. Interest rates have gone up and they should keep going up considering the Fed hasn't even raised rates once yet. And the market's already pricing in the effects of those rate hikes. So what's my, my prediction for real estate this year? Some people are predicting that real estate's going to be up between 2 to 4%, which like, you're like, wait, wait, what? Wasn't it up like 10 15%, 20% in some markets last year? Yep. But the higher mortgage cost is going to slow the appreciation. Now, that doesn't mean the lack of supply won't get bidders into a crazy tizzy fit trying to bid for the last house on the market. The home that I bought last year, the amount of money that I've had to pump into the minor tweaks and twerks of a home. The person that bought my home, he took off the roof, he put on a new roof, he put on solar. Like, we're spending a lot of money on homes that we're buying right now. But again, that's because assets have inflated. We're like, ah, it doesn't matter. It starts to matter later when those assets aren't moving higher and you don't feel that wealth effect. And I think the Fed's going to raise interest rates again and again and again and again until they're up to somewhere two and a half, three percent. That's the expectation if we have a healthy economy. If they start seeing the economy starting to crack, if there's a, a default, here's the first thing that happens on CNBC. If Russia defaults on their debt that morning at six o'clock Eastern time, CNBC is going to go live on air and they're going to go, crisis in Russia, debt default. And there's going to be graphics that are crisis in Russia, 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 Russia. And that's going to get people thinking. So there's the issues that we have that are causing us angst. Again, if I were to boil them down, Russia and Ukraine, high energy prices, oil costs, wage prices, wage increases have not kept up with inflation CPI numbers. Consumer confidence is starting to weaken, even though consumer confidence is really more worried about our neighbors versus about ourselves, more often than not. Global equity markets have taken a big, steep loss, which creates that wealth effect of, well, my wages aren't going to get me an expensive vacation. My wages aren't going to get me an expensive Tesla. My wages aren't going to get me a new home. I couldn't imagine being 20 years old and trying to save for a down payment on a home right now with just income. That's why the advice a lot of people in my industry give young people is set aside a pot of money for your home and set aside you know, all your bills. And you put 401k from part of your wages. And if you have extra money after your 401k, your food, your rent, all those cost of living things, then yeah, start saving for a home. But you're going to put it in a cash account that you're going to be converting to investment so it can keep up with inflation while you save for the next five, 10 years for that down payment on the home. A lot going on in this segment, huh? Home prices, I mentioned this, are expected to normalize this year. This isn't according to me. This is according to five 
economists that were interviewed by the S&P Core Logic Case-Shiller Home Price Index. Goldman Sachs. Home, oh, let's first start by saying that home prices skyrocketed in 2021. Um, Goldman Sachs forecasts that home prices would rise 16% throughout 2022. Fannie Mae says home prices will climb 11.2% this year, followed by a more modest increase in 2023. But the National Association of Realtors, also known as NAR, they've asked 20 top economic and housing experts and they expect 5.7% through 2022. Realtor.com predicts a 2.9% increase in home values in 2022. Saying things will normalize, but I, until the supply changes, I don't see it. Um, supply, there's just so little out there. Even with higher mortgage rates, I think cash offers and people selling stocks for cash um, could drive markets higher. I know, I know it's, it's ifs and buts for Kenny and that's what a party would have. A downturn in the stock market would be bad for home prices because that's the source of revenue for down payments. Now, again, when I say bad for homes, uh, if you don't own a home, a crash in the stock market is exactly what you want. If you do own a home and you want it to keep going up in value, a crash in the stock market is not what you want. The economy does impact the value of real estate and home shoppers hoping for a surge of new inventory and relief from heightened competition have so far been left disappointed. One of the more interesting dilemmas that I have not faced, but I've seen some clients face is that dilemma of, I own a home in the Bay area and I want to retire and I have this big asset. What do I do? And that idea of trying to sell one and buying one, when you're looking at the markets of like Tampa, you're like, Oh, the Tampa market's up a hundred percent in four years. Like it's too expensive. I'm afraid of selling here and going there. I refer to that as a sideways play, but the difference is the difference between Tampa's economy and the Bay Area's economy is wild. But I did a sideways play when I went from San Mateo to Marin, where I sold a multi-million dollar home and I bought a multi-million dollar home, keeping my real estate exposure in the multi-millions. Um, and the sad part is, is the home that I'm in now, it's lovely on a location, 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 but I lived in way nicer homes as a military brat, which is weird to think about. Um, just throwing that down. I don't know if you pick it up, but I'm putting it down this week. We get PPI inflation. We get retail sales and we get the federal reserve, uh, PPI producer price index. How much are they paying more? Because the more that they pay on inflation levels probably means the consumer price index will we'll see similar pipe hikes. Sometimes producers will take two to three months and hold on to those. For instance, you know, with all the inflation numbers that we've seen this year, none of them include the last four weeks of gasoline prices yet. So inflation is about to go from bad to ugly. We are going from getting battered in egg and breadcrumbs. We're actually going to be thrown in the, in the fire this time. Maybe not, but you give you an idea. You can always find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Alibaba is 4.9% lower today. Chinese markets are particularly weak due to COVID today. Huh. Learning a lot about Chinese stocks and accounting. You know, a lot of Chinese stocks won't let American accountants into the building. Interesting. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show.
Com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. This is Rob Black. Thank you for listening to my podcast, The Rob Black Show. If you're looking for a certified financial planner or getting ready for retirement, contact me at rob at robblackshow.com. I can get you in touch with a certified financial planner from EP Wealth. Contact me, rob at robblackshow.com. That's rob at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.